and welcome everyone to a special second part edition of our Thanksgiving Left Coasters podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo. I'm here with Matt D'Angelo Antonio. Brian is home having a turkey at his homestead in Michigan, so we have a special guest host today. He is also a Packers fan in mourning, just like me. His name is Eric Zambrovich, kindly called the man named Cheddar, and he is here today. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you, Tony. I'm happy to have you, buddy. Happy to have your insight on this terrible, terrible Packers season and the NFL. It's been quite a you guys season are really so gonna, You guys are really going to go in on the Packers today, aren't you? I'm, I, I feel like there's a lot to be said We're about, not gonna this, be nice. about this franchise, especially now that you're looking at a Lions team at 7-4 and four after winning on Thanksgiving Day who uh, you know, are, are going to be a force to be reckoned with, it looks like, because once again, they proved their ability to uh, win the game in the last quarter of the game in the last quarter only. That's right. We're recording this after the Thanksgiving games has happened, right before the Sunday game, so you get to hear our insight on both. And Eric, we're going to start right there in the Vikings-Lions game. The Vikings improved to 7-4, and 16-13 win over the Vikings. Have the Lions won the North, Cheddar? I mean, I'm throwing it to you first because these are your two divisional rivals. You know these two teams the best. How sad is it that Matt Stafford and Jim Caldwell go into the playoffs? Any time that the Packers miss the playoffs is just a travesty in my mind and in the whole Midwest as a whole. The way that they've been playing this year, and Tony, you and I have been talking about, well, we've all been talking about the play calling of Mike McCarthy this year. Yeah. We've been talking about their their sort of inconsistent, de- well, they, you know, they have a good rush defense. They have one of the best rush defenses in the NFL, I think, still, but... They're four and six. Oh, four my God, I'm six. so sorry. And, and, yeah. it, and it's only going downwards from there. Yeah, no, it's terrible at four and six. But, but even but even the rush defense is just not what They've all was. fallen apart. The two teams that haven't, though, Minnesota's fallen apart on offense, but this Detroit team, they've every game they've played in this season, they've been losing in the fourth quarter. They are seven and four with losing every game in the fourth quarter. That's insanity. Eleven straight games where they haven't been winning in the time we need to win most. Yet they have the best records, one of the best records in the NFL. Are they are they officially the cardiac cats? Can this like standard of playing be kept up? Can they make the playoffs on this? Can they succeed in the playoffs on this? What are you guys thinking? What are these Lions going to be? They can make the playoffs on one simple fact. And that fact is that Matthew Stafford is the 2016 NFL MVP. No way. I don't know about no that. No really? way. The MVP? He's having, MVP. He's having the season of his career for sure, but you can't tell me his season is better than a, a, a Derek Carr season or an Ezekiel Elliott season or a Dak Prescott season. Tony, if you were running behind <laughs> the Dallas offensive line, that's true. you would be doing just as well as he is. That's not actually totally true, but given what he has to work with and given the fact that he doesn't have much of a defense. Yeah, yeah. What Stafford is doing is impressive, especially all seven of their wins have been from behind. He doesn't have any defense whatsoever. No defense. He, he doesn't have a single. There's doesn't have a running a, game. There's not a, no, they don't have a running game, so they don't have any ability to establish that. That makes the passing game more difficult to establish. I feel like I, I just we just had this conversation. I'm looking at teams that are the most complete teams, yeah. teams that are going to be able to beat you on both sides of the ball, who are going to be playing smart on special teams, who are executing on every level. The Lions are playing well when their backs are against the wall in the fourth quarter, and eventually eventually the wheels are going to come off of that bus. Yeah. Now, the question is who's there to pick up the pieces. The Minnesota Vikings have a crummy offense, but a great defense. You say defense wins championships, but is that enough to get you to the Super Bowl in today's NFL if you can't put points on the board yourself, even though you might be awesome at keeping everybody else from scoring? Then you got the Green Bay Packers, who I don't know what the hell's going on there. Maybe Aaron Rodgers needs to call his mom a little bit more often. But, you know, look, I don't know if he's distracted with stuff off the field. I don't know if he's just having 
having an off year because for you know whatever reason he's not happy with the coaching situation the, the only other team that we're left talking about is the Chicago Bears and they're sure as hell not going to win the NFC Absolutely North this not. year so I mean a huge win for the Lions though on Thanksgiving Day and we've been we've gotten off a little bit on the Packers it was it was the to, win it, it was, was the win because not only do they have a, a game lead in the North this late in the season they also have just now swept the Vikings the only other threat to their contention there's no chance the Packers can put it together and make a run seven and four is a legit standing that is that is a game behind the Seattle Seahawks for the two seed which is insane when you think about the Detroit Lions is a two seed so huge win on Thanksgiving that started us off we had three pretty decent games if it wasn't for Scott Tolzien quarterback in the cult we would have had three barn burners but the next game Cowboys versus the Redskins Cowboys won 31 to 26 improved to what now nine and one ten and one Ta- ten, ten and one ten and one Best the Dallas the Cowboys ten and one let's start right there guys are Dallas the Super Bowl favorites what what where are the holes on this Dallas team if there is a weakness on that team it has to come from that front seven yeah, because there really isn't anyone that stands out. I know you often see you know the cameras focusing on Sean Lee, and I get that he's got really good sideline to sideline coverage, but there isn't a player where you go, "Oh man, I got to really watch out for that guy." Yep, you know he's gonna he's gonna JJ Watt it somehow, even if you know nobody's as good as JJ Watt, but you know some players like you know Mike Daniels or they don't um, have it. They just don't, they don't have a guy. No, they don't have a big-name player on their defense. And, and well, not that you necessarily need one, because up, up till this point, they've been doing just fine, you know, relying on Dak Prescott and Des Bryant, who has come come back, at least relatively. You know, he's been injured. The team looks awesome. They look great from an offensive level, and they're they're firing on all cylinders. And, yeah, of course, that offensive line, as we've said many times before, is the best offensive line in the NFL. Yes, and is probably far. a huge reason why, not to take anything away from Zeke uh, Elliott, their running back, but I don't see him having the year that he's having without without Zach Martin leading the way and pulling for him Absolutely on that not. offensive line. But I mean, hey, Kirk Cousins, how about on the on the Redskins side of the football, even though they were they were in this game. They were definitely in this game for for a little bit of it. Kirk Cousins threw for 450 yards. I looked like a genius in my fantasy league for picking him up <laughs> this week and starting him. But I mean, look, 31-26, they're in this football game till See, the very I, end I, of it. I disagree, Dangles. I don't believe they were in this football game at all because they were down by two scores for most of the game until that final drive that ruined my three-team Thanksgiving Day parlay. I had Dallas at minus six and a half, and the game ended with a five-point deficit thanks to a bullshit and garbage-time touchdown to Jordan Reed, who made a hell of a catch. Jordan Reed is a great, great player. But, uh, and Washington, he did all that on a separated shoulder, too. Exactly. And and Dallas, the, the thing for me, this game was not as close as that five points, and Dallas has proven that no matter what you throw at them, Washington's a good team. Washington might not, you know, they're, they're trying to make the playoffs. They could be a wild card team. They're certainly not a Super Bowl contender, but you can't sit here and tell me that Washington is a bad team. They are a good, solid team, and Dallas wiped the floor with them. Could do whatever they wanted on offense. Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott throwing the ball. That offense is going to be tough to beat. And until they find someone that can exploit their defense like Pittsburgh did, and still Pittsburgh lost in the last second, like how, who's going to stand there, especially in the NFC, and beat this Dallas team in the when it comes to playoff time? I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Uh, I, I think the Seahawks have to be that team. You think so? I think that's, like, I think that's the only team that could consistently do it. Is that because of the strength on their defense? Strength of the defense and the fact that uh, Wilson can exploit that front seven yes. when he's healthy, which yeah. is finally now getting healthy. Yeah. Whereas most of the year he's had that bum ankle and the bum knee, and he's kind of just been stuck there. Yeah, he seems this is like the second year in a row he starts off slow, whether it be injury or, or not good offense, and then slowly gets better, and then they're the Seahawks by the playoffs again. Fuck it the also Seahawks. helps that with you know CJ Procise coming in, they're 
Their uh, their running game is they just they just build running backs in Seattle. That matchup is only going to happen now in the playoffs. Yes, with the right. with the games that Dallas has left, uh, they're at the I'm sorry, yeah, they're at the Vikings next week. Then they play at the Giants. Then they play against the Buc- at home against the Buccaneers, at home against the Lions, and then at the Eagles in the last game at the Link to finish out the season. So those last three against really good offenses. I don't think the Buccaneers and the Lions have what it takes to beat the Cowboys, but at least they're going to be tested. Is it a pretty much you think a foregone conclusion? at this point that the wild card in the NFC is going to go to the East Division? No. Is there is there anybody else that could potentially snag that wild card spot away from an NFC East team? I could still see Minnesota coming back. Yeah. It, it's possible. Really? And that tie, you don't, you, like oh, again, the tie possible. that Washington has to be 6-4-1 and one and not be 7-4 and four is huge. Is huge. And it's going to matter when it comes down to it. If Minnesota Agreed. or Tampa Bay even, the shitty Tampa Bay team can match uh, Washington and wins, that tie kills them. So, we shall see. The other game of the day was the late game where Scott Tolzien could do nothing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Indianapolis Colts lost 28-7. to Pittsburgh now 6-5, and a half game over the AFC North, but Baltimore has the tiebreaker there. Indy falls to 5-6. and They are a game and a half behind the Houston Texans for the AFC South lead. Um, we saw that Indy can't do anything without their talisman, Andrew Luck, but Pittsburgh looked... I mean, pretty decent. They did what they needed to do to beat Indy. This is a game, I'm not going to lie to you guys, we were we were done with football by this day. I'd lost. It's tough when you're at Thanksgiving and you have a room full of people, especially like half females who don't want to watch football, and I'm just sitting there. I just want meat, potatoes, gravy, and then football. That's all I need. I don't need guitars. I don't need games where everyone can play and have fun and laugh. By the time Antonio Brown scored a second <laughs> touchdown, it was just time for seconds. Yeah, no, Antonio Brown, three touchdowns, unbelievable game. Pittsburgh, Dallas, and uh, Detroit have—I can't believe that Brian—he's not here right now, but I can't believe he didn't pick Detroit to win. I know. That's his I team. Know. I know. That's he his and I both—you were the only one, in fact, I, I believe, who picked Detroit. Yeah, I went 3-0. and You guys went 2-1. and It was relatively easy, especially with the Tolzien matchup. But yeah, now it, we get to move on to the real deal. It comes from a lifetime of uh, Thanksgiving nightmares. That's true. But Detroit now, four wins in a row on Thanksgiving Day. So good for Detroit. I'm telling you, this is the year. NFC North is going to the Lions this year. Cardiac Cats. What has it been, 25 years since they've <sighs> won it? It's been too long. Um, but has, yeah, it, has it been too long? It's been too long. Uh, I'm ready for them to win and for McCarthy to get fired. Speaking of, guys, we're going to move on now. We're going to do the Rams section. But first, because we have Cheddar here, a lifelong uh, Packers fan and a, grew up born and raised in Wisconsin, has great stories of cheese curds and Lambeau Field. We're going to do a little Mm. take-two segment with me and him on the Packers and why we wholeheartedly believe it's over this year. It's time to stick a fork in it. Again, guys, thank you for listening to us in part two of our Thanksgiving Left Coasters broadcast. Let's uh, let's move it along there, Dangles. Ram it. All right, Left Coasters, and now for our favorite segment, the Take-Two segment, where we get to talk about our individual teams. And I'm sitting across the table right now from someone who loves the same team I do, the Green Bay Packers. How long have you been a Green Bay Packer fan, Cheddar? I've been a Green Bay Packer fan since July 24th of 1988. And that's your birthday? That's my birthday. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Packers fan through and through, grew up in Wisconsin, now lives in L.A., still bleeds green and gold. Uh, as we sit here at 4-6, and six, the Packers, the perennial favorites, not only win the North, but also be in the Super Bowl from the NFC each year, at least be in contention. This is obviously not the year. Four and six. The other two co-hosts who are muted right now, uh, because I want them to not be in this conversation, still believe the Packers are a force to be reckoned with and could win this NFC North. I've been killing them since they lost to Indy and Tennessee in back-to-back weeks. 
What's going on in Green Bay? Am I right to say that it's done this year, or do I have a little bit of hope here? The Green Bay Packers have become the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. They are a team with a fantastic quarterback who will make the Hall of Fame. They have a couple pieces that have been successful in the past and are in their 30s now. And other than that, it's just a pile of junk. Damn it. It's a steaming pile. Yeah, it feels like a steaming pile of junk. I mean, honestly, I don't know where... There's so many excuses you could make, like uh, Aaron's not talking to his family. We don't have a running game. The wide receivers aren't clicking. The defense is hurt. Our cornerbacks are hurt. Our D-line can't stop him. But when you look at all these excuses, it all just points to the same thing. You stink. Like when you have so many holes in a team, you can't just patch one up and be okay. Where do we turn from here? The, the steaming pile of junk, I completely agree with you. There's maybe five players on this team I would want to keep, honestly. Maybe. 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 And that's all on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Yep. Does it start with Aaron, or does it does it start with Ted no, Thompson, I don't the think, GM? No, I don't think Aaron's the problem at all, really. Um, he's, what, scored every single touchdown the Packers have had this year? That's insane. Every single one? That's no, insane. No rushing touchdowns from a running back, no you know, special teams, no defensive touchdowns, nothing. Wow. It's all been on his shoulders. I didn't know that. Um, I mean, by his standards, yes, he's not been the best player through and through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter if no one else is there to pick up the slack. And I understand as a quarterback, that is the most important position. They have to pick up the most slack, but there's no running game. Mm-hmm. The receivers have no yards after the catch, mm-hmm. and the defense can't force a turnover. What, are they, what is he to do? Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's been playing catch-up for most of the game, but the thing is, for me, the way they start the game, to me, has been killing. Because whenever they start the game, yes, I understand we lost a million running backs, but you can't start the game off by having three passes from Aaron Rodgers. No, and uh, ever since the what was it, week eight of last year, when the Packers, oh. the undefeated Packers, played oh. the Denver Broncos and got roped, Mike McCarthy's offensive game plan and his whole strategy has been completely exposed. Yeah, anything that he has done in the past that has been successful has now been figured out, and he has not changed anything at all of his offensive. Uh, uh, he has not changed anything of his offensive system. Yeah. No, it's been the same uh, uh, bread and butter thing through and through. But wh- does that mean McCarthy is the one to blame? Do we need to wipe the slate clean there? Because Texas just hired my favorite college coach, Tom Herman, so we won't be getting him. I don't know who we could get that's not Mike McCarthy. I'm not a huge fan of McCarthy, as this show has promised, but uh, it is, is wiping the slate clean and trying to start anew the way to go? That's the real struggle is that, who else is out there that can be an improvement? Yeah. I mean, right now, there doesn't look like there's much. There's only one person that even gets me moderately excited. And I know people don't want to hear that name. Who? That name is Josh McDaniels. Oh, I love Josh McDaniels. I know you love Josh yeah. McDaniels. I'm ta- talking about you. I'm yes. talking about everyone else. Yes. Everyone remembers his time in Denver. Yeah. Starting out 6-0 and and then just... Plummeting. Plummeting to the utter depths of the... And you know, he had a, a... I mean, Jay Cutler is not Aaron Rodgers, but he had a... a, a, a he had a starting quarterback in Denver that was loved, and that was the kid in Denver. And he you know looked I mean? to be a superstar and he, on the up and up. And he, one season, Jay Cutler's gone. That could happen with Aaron, maybe. But, but McDaniels to Green Bay, I would not hate that at all. I would not it's, hate it's that the, at all. It's the only one that really gets me excited. Yeah. Now on for the defensive side. Dom Capers, longest tenured defensive coordinator in the league. His defense perennially gives up more yards than anyone else, yet can swing by on the on turnovers and making big plays and all that stuff in the offense bailing him out. Does Dom Capers have a chance? He might just retire because he's so old. <laughs> he's not a young man. No, he's not. And part of the problem now is that the two things that always kind of 
you know, helped his defense with whatever troubles they were having, and there were many troubles, was the turnovers, which they are getting none of this year. And then the offense, you know, taking away some of the pressure and allowing them to go with a full-on no, you know, pr- press assault. Pressure's been fully on the defense this year. Yep. They're on the field more than they've ever been before. And it's obviously the reason why we're losing so many games. And they're giving up the most points they have the team has had in 70 years. Now, uh, before we go off Optimist's view here, any chance there's a playoff run by this Packers team? Of course there's a chance. With Aaron Rodgers, you never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had the year where he missed half the year, and they went 8-7-1. and one. They still made the playoffs. That's true. Or even last year, they started out 6-0 and oh and stunk down the stretch, but still found a way to get in and win a game Yeah, hated in the playoffs. That. Hated that. But that's it, guys. That's our little Packers take two. Now we're going to move on to the reason why we're here, the reason why you're listening, the Jared Goff-led Los Angeles Rams. Let's go, baby. Ram it. <laughs> Well, Left Coasters, the beginning of the Jared Goff era in Los Angeles was underwhelming, to say the very least, losing 14-10 to 10 to the Miami Dolphins uh, last week. The Left Coasters, uh, we are the Left Coasters, that is. I'm Matt D'Angelo Antonio here with uh, Tony Cavallo, whose voice you recognize. Our guest is Eric Zambrovich, a.k.a. Cheddar. He's joining us as a Packer fan. You know how we like to try and have LA, other L.A. transplants come on and talk about how and why they love their teams and all that sort of stuff. So uh, thank you for being with us today, Cheddar. I'm really glad you were able to make it out. Uh, but yeah, the Rams, 14-10 is your final. Jared Goff uh, throws for 134 yards on 17 completions, 31 attempts. Uh, Todd Gurley got into the end zone, 20 carries, 78 yards. Uh, Kenny Britt led the way for the Rams receivers with five catches for 43 yards. But ultimately, this comes down to a rookie quarterback being in his first NFL game, playing, seeing the NFL defense at full speed for the first time. Guys he's not familiar with getting hit by or being pressured by in practice. And, you know, I think this is just I think this just chalks chalks up to inexperience. Now, granted, granted, the Rams won that game for 54 out of the 60 minutes they played on the field. They lost that game in the last six minutes, Mm. unfortunately. I lost a very boring, boring game that we struggled to watch during the rest of the games during that Sunday session. Ten to nothing for the longest time. Miami couldn't do jack squat. And neither could the Rams, honestly, after the first drive where Gurley got in the end zone. It was a very boring, very punterific game. Again, that's what these Rams games have turned into. It's really tough to watch these games and be entertained. The hometown crowd was not into it. It was raining a little bit on him. And Jared Goff, here's the thing. Jared Goff did not look like the Carson Wentz, but he also didn't look like Ryan Leaf. He wasn't sitting there making dumb decisions. He just wasn't taking chances. He wasn't taking risks. He was very vanilla, very basic. He's a basic bitch on Sunday. Um, Cheddar, have you been watching the Rams at all as your new hometown hometown team to root for? Well, now that they're on our basic television, of course, yes. I've seen a few games. Uh, yeah. I do not go out of my way to watch them <laughs> like Why most Angelinos. Yeah. Um, there are too many other things to do, yeah. especially when the Packers are playing. That's way more important. <laughs> yeah. um, but from what I've seen, it's really just a classic case of the Rams have a pretty decent defense, mm-hmm. and they have absolutely nothing to speak of on, on offense. Yes. Nowhere. They have yeah. Todd Gurley, and that's it. Yeah. Well, and even he's been, it's been a stretch to call him their, uh, you know, part of their offense this year. He's only just gotten off and, and been finding his way into the end zone. I mean, I, for me, and I've been kind of, you know, saying this for a few weeks now, Tony, and you know, I think this is a problem that starts with their offensive coordinator, Rob Boris. They're not, and because Jared Goff was very vanilla. This, for me, I, this was an opportunity for them to come out against a middling team in the NFL, who is on a hot streak in the Dolphins, granted, but a middling team, and really, like, try out 
like if you're test driving a car, you're not <laughs> just going to go out onto a surface street and drive it 15 miles, especially if this car, at least on the outside, looks like it could be really great. And they didn't they didn't. Like they didn't gun it at all. They didn't see. Okay, what can the engine do? They didn't. How fast can we go? They didn't try and air it out at all. He's Goff throwing not, five, six-yard yeah. passes on curl routes and flats and little things that go to the sideline. This is not how you win games in today's NFL. It's a passing league, and yes. you have to be willing to take chances. So twenty carries for seventy-eight yards from Todd Gurley. I've been standing here for weeks saying if Goff was in there, he'd be able to take the top off the defense and give more room for Gurley to operate. But here's the thing, guys. Goff was in there. He did not attempt to pass twenty yards or more. And speaking of Rob Boris being inept at his job, the Rams have scored 10 points or fewer in four straight games, tied for the second longest streak in franchise history. The only longest streak happened in 1937, so they haven't been this bad on offense since 1937. And they were the Cleveland Rams then. So we have Cleveland stink on our Los Angeles team, That's guys. That's terrible. Yeah, it really is. It hurts. And it's tough to gain popularity, to gain momentum in this city, the city that's driven on winners and on, on sexy and when you can't put points on the board, what's sexier than that? You need to be able to score points. And and the thing is, he it was him versus Tannehill, and Tannehill's been the floor for him. We've been discussing all season that that's the worst possible chance for Jared Goff is to be Ryan Tannehill. He was better than Tannehill for 55 minutes of that game on Sunday. And then Ryan Tannehill uh, uh, scored 14 points in five minutes, showed why he's an NFL quarterback. And Ryan Tannehill looked really good in those five minutes against a really good Rams defense. The thing between that separates Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff is Goff hasn't had the chance to do that yet. He's not ready to do the fourth quarter comeback yet. And I think that's purely based on experience. I think they really shot themselves in the foot not playing Jared Goff this whole season. Because we're not going to be in the playoffs. Not going to happen. Might as well test the kid out. Go four and twelve, and have the kid have sixteen games under his belt. I'm. I think it's so bullshit to say that you're stunting his growth by having him lose early. I think that's a, a terrible, terrible thing. You need to get experience in the kid because that's the only way he's going to learn how to win. Is how play the game. You have to play the game. It's different. So, are there any other any other bright spots we can look to? Uh, what about you, Cheddar? Uh, you got the Rams? Yeah. Any, any bright you, spots? Here's my thought. On you? The discussion around town for the last couple months has been when should golf play. A lot of people have been complaining, like, look at how bad Case Keenum is. Look at how bad this offense is. Just put him in there. Just put him in there. And I don't think you should rush a guy in quite that quick, especially with how bad their offensive line is, because you don't want a David Carr situation where the guy gets sacked 80 times in a year and just basically his football career is dead. Okay. Um, I do think that now is the right time to bring him in, now that the their season is effectively done. I do think that this was the right time to bring him in as – one of the things that people really underrate is the ability for the quarterback to pick up, a rookie quarterback to pick up new NFL offense, to get used to the NFL defenses. Something that's been kind of underrated about Dak Prescott that people don't know about is that the offensive system he runs, including the terminology, is almost exactly the same one he ran in college. So he didn't really have any time, he didn't need the time to pick stuff up. Gotcha. Goff comes from an air raid offense from Cal that nobody in the NFL runs. Nobody runs it. So he had to learn everything for the first time, like he's never had to go through these kind of progressions before. So sometimes these kind he of never things, had to take drops before, never had to take drops back or dropbacks before from the from the center. Yep. So sometimes you just need those couple weeks or months just to get everything in your head properly, you know, set to match what you can do physically. And okay. I think now we're finally starting to see like, okay, he's hit that point. 
Now we can start to test him out. He's not going to die against a terrible, you know. Yeah. I, his... I kind of, you know, I kind of, I, I disagree slightly. I just wish, I wish, I think there were two times for him to start. And that was week one, if they were going to go ball, balls to the right. wall. And, and come completely behind him. And coming back from the bye, the Carolina, Carolina game yep. that you went to. The only thing I'll say about you talking about the schemes on offense is when Robert Griffin came to the league, Kyle Shanahan was his coordinator. And they pretty much took Baylor's offense and ran that in Washington. And, and That's uh, right. Robert Griffin had the best season of his career, um, and they were a playoff team. To me, that's L.A.'s fault. If you got a kid coming in and you know you drafted him, you know all he's ever done is shotgun snaps and air raid offense, incorporate a little bit of that into your, into your game. Book. Well, it's the classic Patriots strategy. Take the best parts of your yes. players and utilize them. Yes. And, and I don't know if it's the fault of Jeff Fisher or Rob Boris or even just Goff himself, but they have not done that. Yeah. So, um, uh, Sorry, before we move on to New Orleans, how many games does Fisher need to lose before he's fired? Because uh, four and six I right now is I don't think he loses bad. his job before the end of the season. Okay. I think at this point they're just going to let him ride it out, and yep. you know, because it would be a little bit. I think, despite the fact that Jeff Fisher is the most mediocre, average head coach probably in NFL history, the fact that he's been with the Rams organization for a few years, I, I would like to think that Kroenke and the rest of the Rams' ownership will give him the dignity of letting him finish out the season, and then when they inevitably end up at 7-9 and nine or 6-10, and 10, uh, you know, then they're going to can him this you know, offseason and sort of look elsewhere to, to maybe see who else could possibly be the next person to Fisher lead this and team. Kroenke are too good of friends to have him just unceremoniously kick to the curb. I don't, do you see it happening before the end of the season, Tony? Not before the end. I'm just saying if you're 6-10 and 10 and you still have a job, I, I'll go ape oh, shit. Oh, my mind I'll will be boggled. Shit. My mind will be absolutely boggled. But um, So let's look ahead then to next week. Yep. Uh, the Rams head to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in beautiful downtown New Orleans, Louisiana, to take on the Saints in what could be a possibly maybe awkward reunion for Greg Williams right? going back <laughs> to New Orleans. We all know uh, his involvement with the Bounty Gate scandal uh, shortly after the Saints won the Super Bowl. I believe that was back in 2009. He got suspended for a year along with Sean Payton uh, for his involvement in that. But uh, Rams, I'm sorry, uh, New Orleans offense going up uh, going up against the Rams. Drew Brees and the Saints come in armed with the best offense passing-wise in the NFL. Is the Rams secondary good enough to keep him, on his, uh, keep him honest on Sunday? Nope. That easy, huh? Nope. No chance in hell. No so chance in hell. How many yards does Drew Brees throw for? Uh, it's going to be uh, about 450 yards for Drew Brees on Big Sunday. Day. Yeah, I think uh, I think um, the only way the Rams can win this game is if New Orleans has a, the game from hell. You know, pick sixes, bad play calls, turnovers, fumbles on the punt, uh, all all that stuff that make a team destroy itself. That needs to happen for the Rams to move on because we're just not going to put up enough points to keep up with Drew Brees. Drew Brees and that New Orleans offense is clicking more than they've ever had before. And they have so many weapons on there that you don't know the name of. But they're really good, really fast, and can catch the ball. I mean, Cheddar, what do you think, buddy? Coming from I, I disagree to an extent. Yeah? I don't think that he'll throw for 450. I think that um, the Rams' pass defense is sixth in the league, so I think they're going to hold him to more around 300. Uh, I think that instead of scoring 40 points, I think they'll score about 27. <laughs> but that doesn't matter because even with – you know, that kind of defensive effort, the Rams are the worst offense in the league, so they'll yes. score 10 points and still lose. And still lose. Yeah. Drew Brees comes into this game uh, 3,277 passing yards on the season, 26 touchdowns, and uh, eight picks. Um, Todd Gurley, uh, come, he's 591 yards 
at this point in the season. We're week 12, and he's run for just under 600 yards. And oh he's averaging goodness. three yards That's a carry. That's it. He's it's averaging terrible. about 300. He's been averaging about three yards a carry the entire season. You're absolutely right, oh Cheddar. Oh, goodness. And, yeah, four touchdowns on the year, 591 yards uh, so far. Uh, Rams come into this game uh, – questionable not sure about their center tim barnes could be out uh defensive tackle ethan westbrooks and then on the same side of things mark ingram is questionable uh as well as travaris cadet and a safety shiloh keo uh so not a huge not a huge hole in either on either side it looks like i think this is going to be a very interesting game on the perspective of the progression of jared goff Yes, uh, I was about to say the same thing. The Saints have the 31st ranked pass defense, and so this is a great opportunity to, like you said before, try out some of those, yes. you know. Test it out. Take the fucking car for a test drive, man. You're never going to know what he's capable of until you really, you got to push, you have to You have to be pushed to your limits before you know what you can and can't do at a certain point. Like, you know, that's, it, it's go, it's as basic as, that's how we all find out where our limit is when we're drinking, right? You have to get <laughs> super drunk and go way beyond what your limit is to know where that line is. You have to push him to his extent, have him throw the ball a few times, over have and him over air again. it out a few times to really get, get Give him a few looks. It can't just be one long pass and oh, well he did, you know he overthrew him by a couple of yards, or or he wasn't open. He was, and you know Kenny Britt was in double coverage and they weren't able to make the pass. They gotta let him try. They gotta let him go out there and maybe run a few plays from that bear raid offense. What? Maybe just to get him comfortable, make to make him work. Uh, you know, have a comfortable look at the field. I, I don't know if they would actually do something like that. That's probably why I'm not coaching in the NFL. What do you have to lose in this game? Nothing. If, Nothing. if, if Rob Boris calls for a bubble screen in the first half. He oh should be God. let go by half that. Oh, my God. There's no reason to run that kind uh, of play. First with play from of... scrimmage, I'm calling it now. <laughs> no, I want. speaking of first plays from scrimmage, I was about to say, if, if the first play from scrimmage, if I was the coach, it would be a play action to Todd Gurley and send your fastest wide receiver over the top and say, Jared, let it loose. I don't care if you throw a pick or a defense. It'll be a long punt. Don't worry about it. I don't let care it if loose. You, I don't care if he overthrows him by 15 yards. Yeah, Just let it loose, it. kid. We should be impressed by Jared Goff in this game. I'll be very disappointed if he himself doesn't have 300 yards passing and a couple touchdowns against his New Orleans defense. They, they, they better score more than 10 points in the Superdome. Superdome's easy to play in. It's going to be a fun game. You're going to be down by a million. Let the kid air it out for the love of God. Let him air it out. I don't even care if all that comes in garbage time. Just get no, yeah, get just it, Blake just Bortles it, man. Out. I don't care if you Blake Bortles. I want to see you throw the ball. The other thing is, before we move on, Rob Boris, this is the game to see if this man cares about his job because this is a classic kitchen sink game. All those trick plays you've been working on all year that you've been waiting to, to test it out where, like, Tavon Austin comes around and completes a pass to Jared Goff, we need to see those on Sunday. This is it. This is the only chance you're going to have to be able to pull those plays out before you're officially dead in the water. Because if you win and you're 5-6, and six, you're scratching a wild card. If you lose 4-7, and seven, it's over. This no. is it, man. Well, and like Cheddar said, they, they have the worst pass defense in the NFL. So yeah, there the is there, no there is no time like the present for them to do to 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 do this. So Saints uh, taking on the Rams in New Orleans. That's a ten o'clock game on Sunday, uh, guys. Uh, let's make our picks now uh, for the Rams game. Who do you got going forward? Well, uh, Brian and I both have New Orleans, and I don't think it's going to be close. But I am expecting again a fun game that Red Zone should catch a lot of. Shatter. I think that the Saints will win. I think they'll score less than 30, but the Rams won't score more than 17. Ugh, I'd, be ter- I'd be very angry if that happened. Dangles? I really want to call this upset. I really want to be the only one to pick Los Angeles, but I just, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't see New Orleans losing this football game. I think Drew Brees is going to put up a lot of points on the board and the Saints win. Yep. I think you're right. All right, let's move it on. I'm done with these Rams. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's go on to the rest of the NFL. This will be a lot more enjoyable. Uh, um, coming up next, we'll have a quick injury report, and then we'll move on to our week uh, 13 picks yep. in the NFL. So uh, until then, ram it. Ram it. Okay, Left Coasters, real quick injury report time. Normally, Brian would lead the way here. He is at home in Detroit, Michigan, enjoying Thanksgiving with his family. Brian, we miss you. We'll see you next week. We replaced you this week. Sorry. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to his picks We'll get to his picks later, um, but we want to get to the injury report. Let's start with a big defensive injury for the Panthers. Luke Keekley, the star linebacker for the Panthers, is going to be out against Oakland. He left the game, and very notably, uh, in tears yep. uh, because uh, of the injury he sustained. I believe it was a concussion so they entered him into concussion protocol and that's what's going to keep him out of the Raiders game it was kind of scary man I was watching that on the plane ride back here and it was not a pleasant sight to view I felt really bad for the kid it never is good to see someone getting carted out the field in tears. No, especially no. a defensive leader like Luke Keekley. You know it Keekley. tears. You know it tears his heart out uh, to have to be carted off the field. Boston, and Boston College. Boston College alum. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we've also got Rob Gronkowski of the New England Patriots, mm. who is questionable because of a perforated lung. Uh, uh, they'll take on the Jets. Yeah, this came from uh, I believe this came from getting hit uh, last week by Earl Thomas. By yeah. Earl Thomas in that Seahawks game that they ended up losing. They originally said that it was a punctured lung uh, uh, and. And, and now they're just saying it's a perforated lung, but uh, uh, it still sounds terrible. It does sound really terrible. Um, if he doesn't play, Martellus Bennett is uh, the other option at tight end. I don't think there will be too much of a problem for the Patriots to still beat the Jets. No, nah, they might put the they might put the hood on uh, Gronkowski till the playoffs there in New England. No, oh, I'm okay. sorry. I'm actually just reading this now. Apparently, Martellus Bennett was limited in practice on Friday, and also is ruled questionable. So not well, sure. I mean, I can't imagine he won't play, but um, you know, if Martellus gets hurt during the game, I, I honestly don't know who their third tight end is. No, it's Julian Edelman. He plays yeah. every position on that offense. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So Grant questionable. We'll see. He may be a game time decision. Jason Pierre-Paul uh, shifting over to the NFC East is another injury to note. He is questionable with the knee against the Browns. Not his hand. Not actually. his hand. His, his hand's hand is, okay. His hand is fine. His hand is okay. Uh, so he's question, He's a, a questionable. Also going to be a game time decision. Uh, speaking of Earl Thomas, he's out this Ooh, coming week. That's big. Against Tampa. Yeah, hamstring. Earl Thomas is a big loss for them, not only as their all-star center fielder, but he's like the heart of that defense. He's and, the one that keeps them ticking. And to have this game against the Buccaneers with those wide receivers, that's too. True. Missing a guy like that is huge. That is huge. Now I guess they'll just have to rely on their other scrubs like Sh Richard Sherman and uh, Cam, Cam Chancellor. Chancellor. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Those undrafted free agents over there. <laughs> The struggle is real, guys. The struggle is real. And then our last one to note is actually from a Thanksgiving Day game. T.Y. Mm -hmm. Hilton left the game against the Steelers with a back injury. Tiny little T.Y. That's Well, that's a huge loss because he's their number one uh, wide receiver. He's their only wide receiver. Every time he's gained over 100 yards in a game this season, they've won. It's a big deal to lose him. There you go. That's it. Injury report. One thing left to do, gentlemen, that's picks for week 13 in Pick the em. NFL. You'll hear ours, and we've got Brian's as yes, well. Yes, we do. And, uh, and we'll, see how, uh, we'll see how we did from last week as well. So let's move on. Ram it. Ram it. Ram it. Left Coasters, time for Week 13 Picks. We are the Left Coasters. I'm Matt D'Angelo-Antonio with Tony Cavallo and here with Eric Zambrovich, a.k.a. Cheddar. Brian Balzarini, uh, our other co-host, is away this week. We'll have uh, all of our picks, though, right now. Uh, this is my favorite segment. Absolutely aside, my aside favorite from segment. Grave, so aside yeah. from Gravestones, my favorite segment on the Left Coasters. So let's get started with our 10 o'clock games on Sunday morning. Well... The First, before we do the 10 o'clock games, we've got to say where everyone is in the standings. Oh, that's right. Of course. How could I be so Because, Dangles, you're doing so well, hasty? buddy. Am you're I? doing really well. Yeah, man. You've, I mean, you were Jeff Fisher territory for a while, but you're rounding into form right now. You went 9-5 and five last week along okay. along with I. 
and you are now 75 and 67. That's eight games above 500 into the season. That's I'll pretty good. It. Yeah, that's it. really good. Uh, you're actually doing better and better each week, and you're getting closer and closer to the 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 leaders over here. I am in second place. I went nine and five last week, improved to 82 and 60. That's I'm very happy with that. You should be. But I have a big problem because I like to gloat and I like to be the best in everything I do. And Brian, right now, I went nine and five last week. I went nine and five the week oh, before. He smoked us I've been this doing week. really well. Like nine and fives are not bad numbers. Brian put up an eleven and three. Eleven and three. That's huge. That, the is best, that the best record? Tied for the best record we've ever had on the Left Coasters podcast. Eleven and three improved to eighty-eight and fifty-four. Wow. That's going to be tough to catch. He has a six-game lead on me. He has a 13-game lead on you. There's still plenty of games to be played, but we got to start making moves, and Brian needs to start falling. Yeah, no, he does. This is this needs to be the week that we start to turn things around yeah. if we're gonna if we're gonna make inroads on him. And then, of course, Cheddar is competing for. Yeah, uh, we got we got the guest host leaderboard over here, and Drew was here last week, and Drew actually took the leaderboard spot with also, at a daunting 11 and three record. So, Chatter, that's what you're matching for, buddy. Bar, 11 and 3. Here's the thing, though. You only have 13 games to pick this week because of the Thanksgiving game. So, your best bet is to go 11 and 2 to be the sole it's champion. It's all about the percentages. Uh huh. 11 and 2 is what you're shooting for. 10 and 3 would be a tie for first, but 11 and 2 would give you sole, sole claim of it. And uh, otherwise, we need to start making moves. Me and Dangles, we did have the Thanksgiving Day games again. I went 3 and 0. Oh, you two went 2 and 1. Chatter did not pick the Thanksgiving games. Uh, we all have New Orleans and the Rams game. Sorry, L.A., but your team stinks. Dangles, let's do it, buddy. All right, let's get started. Our first matchup this week brings us to Chili Soldier Field in Chicago where the Tennessee Titans uh, will take on the Bears at 10 o'clock. That's our first uh, game of the day. Tony? Who's quarterbacking the Bears now? Because Cutler's dead. Hoyer's dead. Do they still have that kid, Jimmy Clausen? Is, is he a bear? Who's going to be quarterbacking that team? If they don't have pickles, they should, just for the entertainment value. <laughs> uh, Brian and I are both oh, going. Oh, it's Matt Barkley. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Tennessee, you need to win this game. Brian and I are picking Tennessee. Uh, I am also picking Tennessee. This is uh, this is their game to lose. It would be miraculous if Matt Barkley were able to lead Chicago Matt to a win. Matt Barkley. The Bears still suck, and therefore the Titans will win. <laughs> All right, okay. everybody's going with Tennessee. That sounds good. Uh, next, ga- <laughs> next game is also featuring a very, very stinky team. Uh, my beloved Jacksonville Jaguars uh. at the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park, New York. Uh, I'm going to go ahead first here and pick the Buffalo Bills to win this game. Uh, even without, I believe, LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, Shady's out. Shady's out. Uh, even without them, I still think Tyrod Taylor runs all over them. And the way Blake Bortles has been throwing the football lately has given me no reason to believe that the Jaguars are going to be able to win this game. Yeah, I want to pick Jacksonville for some reason. I want to pick them every week. I, I want to pick them because they're going to, one week, guys, they're going to snatch snatch one. They always do. They're yeah. going to get one more win before the end of the season. Yeah. They're going to go like 3 and 13, or maybe if they get lucky, they'll get two and out of Buff- the And Buffalo's the, the team to make enough mistakes to let Jacksonville stay in the game till the fourth quarter when Blake Bortles actually decides to wake up and play football. I, I just don't think, I don't think it's going to be yeah. enough. The Jaguars are, are, and they're also missing TJ Yeldon at yeah. running back, so Chris Ivory is going to be handling uh, the majority of the carries, which hopefully will go very well for my fantasy team, but I'm picking Buffalo. Brian and I are picking Buffalo as well. Brian takes Buffalo, I take Buffalo. Do you all remember several months ago before the season started where everyone was on the Jacksonville Jaguars hype train? Yes, we were. I do. I I was one of them. Well, we're all pretty dumb, so in that case, the Bills will win. (laughs) I know. All right. uh, Speaking uh, of a Matt Patricia team, this is a Matt Patricia team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
You think he yeah. could? That's a that's yes. a team he could take over. Yes, I'll be interested because Gus Bradley is not getting out of this season with his job. I'll tell you that right now. All right, then let's move on. Uh, next, we have Cincinnati at Baltimore. This is a semi-fun game because these two teams hate each other. Yeah, the Ravens win though. That's mm-hmm. it's that's it's that easy. Especially remember AJ Green. Ah uh, yes, AJ thank Green, you for reminding AJ me Green about that. AJ Green is gone from the Bengals, and their defense is is terrible. And uh, I believe Gio Bernard is also missing, yes. meaning it's Jeremy Hill handling the carries out of the backfield. So all of those pieces for me come together against a staunch Ravens defense and Joe Flacco, who's been playing just well enough to just win, well enough. just well enough to win. Uh, and Steve Smith had a had a, a good game last week, actually. Maybe he's maybe he's starting to come out of that that senior citizen shell Ugh. for a little bit this season. I'm still picking Baltimore. Yeah, I'm with, uh, as is Brian, uh, that A.J. Green thing really took me. Uh, Chad, are you going to make it a left coast or sweep? I don't like Baltimore as a team. I don't think that their record is indicative of how not good of a team they actually are. Mm -hmm. But Cincinnati is that bad right now. And so, therefore, I have to go with the Ravens. Gotcha. All All right, right, Baltimore sweep. We are sweeping it. Uh, Next, we head to uh, the southeast, to the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, where the Arizona Cardinals will come to take on the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan. Uh, Brian takes Atlanta. I take Atlanta. Arizona stinks. I'm sorry. Arizona... uh... I feel really bad that team is falling apart. Bruce Arians is dying, literally dying over there coaching this team. I love Bruce Arians. I do too. Um, I don't see a way that Atlanta... I mean, I do see a way that Arizona makes this a game. But I think Atlanta wins, as does Bragg. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that I don't think that the Arizona offense has been anywhere near what we all thought it would be. This was a team that a lot of us believed would be in the NFC Championship game when it came yes. down to it at the yeah. end of the year. And Carson Palmer has not looked like a playoff quarterback. The only bright spot on that offense really has been David Johnson, their running back. Even you know Larry Fitzgerald has had a few moments here and there, but their other receivers, John Brown, Michael Floyd, people that they've relied on in the past, they're not putting numbers up at all. Shatter. This is a 10 a.m. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I never trust West Coast teams playing in the East Coast at 10 a.m. That and uh, Carson Palmer looks like an old man now. <laughs> Gotta go with the Falcons. I think Matt Ryan's been playing great. Uh, Julio Jones have another big game. Pretty. Uh, clear cut for me so the first five games we've all picked the same team yeah and i don't think it's going to get any better with the next game uh that we're looking at here this is the new york giants in cleveland uh, nope. to yeah. take on the browns fuck uh, the giants. i'm picking i hate the giants. the giants i can't believe they're going to be eight fuck and three the giants. fuck the giants but they are going to win yep they are uh you know what hey you know what god no i'm not doing it i was going to say you know what god damn it just to piss giants fans off and picking cleveland but i have a picks race to win and i'm not letting brian steal one on me for the fucking browns again giants 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 cheddar eli manning could sit at midfield playing with legos all day and the giants would still win giants clean sweep <laughs> giants that. giants that's a great fuck the giants <laughs> that's great okay next up another one to apply to uh, cheddar's theory of west coast teams playing on the east coast in a 10 o'clock game san francisco 49er is making the trek all the way across to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Hey, Miami looks strong. They don't look like they're world beaters, but they look like they can beat these chump teams like San Fran. I'm going with Miami, and Brian's going with Miami. I think we're going to get another sweep here, guys. Cheddar? Jay Ajayi will have his 100 yards. Dolphins will win. That's you know, There's not much else to it. No nope. yep. no argument here. Dolphins win, uh, so we're not really deviating at all from one another. From what uh, I see here, other than the Atlanta-Arizona game, that's purely because of points. There's not many good games in the morning here. No, mm. that's true. That's true. We do have one more morning game, though, and okay. that's uh, San Diego taking on Houston at Energy Stadium in Houston. That's huh. going to be a good game, I think. I'm huh. picking the Chargers, though. Just that was a gut feeling right now. I think Phillip Rivers, they're going to come back and have themselves a, a, a big old game. 
Uh, Brian also takes San Diego. This is tough. Chatter, you're going to have to go first. Um, yeah. I yeah. want to apply my theory of the West Coast teams playing on the East Coast in the morning, even though Houston's not really East Coast, but oh, I think San Diego's a better team. It's gonna, uh, It depends on how Houston comes back from that Monday night game in, in Mexico City. They played really well against Oakland. They played really Oakland. well against the Raiders. In, like, Oakland was just the better team. That's it. But they Houston also got played a few calls really to go well. their way at the end, yes. too, which really kind of screwed Houston over. I mean, here's the thing. Let's work it out. San Diego has uh, a better passing offense, but that Houston defense is no joke. San Diego won't be able to run the ball on Houston. Houston has a really good... Lamar Mill is really effing good behind that uh, offensive line in Houston. They're going to be able to run on San Diego. The question is, can Brock throw for more I than 99 that, that, yards? I think that hinges on... This game hinges on Brock Osweiler. If the Texans want to win, he is their X factor. He is the linchpin that that separates them from a win or loss because they have all the tools offensively. Lamar Miller is very good out of the backfield. They have a solid offensive line, a couple of good guards. Dwayne Brown is a very good offensive lineman uh, for them. They have... Great wide receivers in DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and a solid tight end in C.J. Fedorowicz. The only person who is ever suspect on that offense is is their quarterback, is the man who any of them need in order to succeed. They can't succeed any of the people I just mentioned. They don't do shit well, without Osweiler. Here you go. Uh, Brian took San Diego. Dangles took San Diego. I'm going to go out on a limb. This could, this could really hurt me. I'm going with the hometown team. I'm going with Houston. Something you guys have forgotten is the Texans are 5-0 and at home, and the Chargers are 1-4 and on the road. Yep. Mm. Yep. Now, with that 10 a.m. start for a West Coast team, that's, helps that's even not going to help yep. the Chargers at all. I'm going to go with the, the Texans. Woohoo! We're on the Texan train. Look at us. We're going to be— That's smart. I like the lo- I like to play in that logic. That's good. It's all going to blow good. up in our face. Yeah, well, you know, who knows? We'll <laughs> see We'll see what happens. That's honestly—that is that is going to be probably the best game of the morning. I hope it's uh, I hope it's on cable. Hey, it should be since we live in Los Angeles. Yeah. How about that? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to watch it on cable. All right. Let's shift to the afternoon game starting at 105 uh, in Tampa Bay at the Ray J. The Buccaneers will take on the Seattle Seahawks. That's going to be a fun game. That's going to be a fun, fun game. Especially without Thomas and that uh, yes. defensive backfield all opened up. If Jameis Winston has himself a day, they very could well steal one away from uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, in this game. However, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I'm neither do Seattle. I. I, uh, I think this is going to be a very, very fun game. Brian takes Seattle. Dangles takes Seattle. I'm taking Seattle. The Earl Thomas injury does scare me a little bit, but uh, Seattle's clicking now. Clicking on all cylinders. Cheddar? I think this one's going to be close. I yeah. think that Jameis Winston's going to have a really good day. I yeah. think he's going to throw for a lot of yards. Many touchdowns, but I still think that Seattle pulls this out in a very close with the end. Seattle, Seattle all around. Next up, Carolina at Oakland. Oakland, uh, Carolina with that Luke Keekley injury that really hurts them, and uh, Carolina's clicking. Don't think there's any way Cam has a day. No, I think Cam definitely has a day, but I don't think that defense. I think that defense will fall apart without Luke Keekley. He is such a playmaker. He's in every play, every tackle, every interception, every fumble. He makes those plays happen, and I think uh, I think Oakland does enough. Oakland's I mean, a really good guy. That's not going to matter though if the Raiders don't score because they have been they have been known on occasion to just like not be able to get into the end zone. True, I don't think that's going to be today or Sunday. I should say. This is tough. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have to turn it over to Cheddar first because I don't I don't uh, I don't well, know. Before Cheddar goes, Brian also takes Oakland. Something that's been ignored with Oakland's best start in over a decade. Actually, what like 15 years now is it? It's been since I think oh 2002, uh, oh, two, right? Oh, two, when they went to the Super Bowl with Rich Gannon. Right. They've been a losing team since then. Something that's been ignored is that Oakland's defense is ranked 29. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they are not actually all that good at home they're excellent on the road or in a neutral site 
They they do they even have a winning record at home? I don't know if they do. Uh, they're three and two. Um, well, I, that uh, that Mexico City was a home game for them. Uh, effectively, yeah. 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 Um, it's tough to take a. a What's his face? They're allowing almost 400 yards a game. This yeah. defense, and if Cam Newton, if Cam Newton has, I mean, they don't face. You don't face quarterbacks like Cam Newton every week. No, yeah. he is. A, he is a one of he's a kind. He's one of a kind. He's he's their best rusher. He's their obviously their passer. He's he's the best athlete on the Carolina Panthers, and he's just so hard to predict and bring down, even when you get your hands on him. I think what we might see is a bit of a hangover effect uh, with the Raiders, especially with the way that game ended having to travel internationally to play that game, as well as the fact they're playing at, what, 8,000 feet? Yep. That can take a toll on your body when yes, you're not used can. to it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Carolina. Woo-hoo! I'm going to agree with you. I'm going I'm oh, to take the dangles. Panthers. I'm going to take the Panthers, despite Luke Keekley being gone. They still have other people on that defense. Thomas Davis is going to have to step up into that hole and be the defensive leader with Luke Keekley being gone. And I think if Cam has himself a day and really puts the Oakland defense on its heels... Derek Carr is going to have a tough time keeping up. Okay. Let me just say, I think that the Raiders are a better team yeah. this year. It's oh, just agreed. That given the 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 confluence of several events that you know with the mm-hmm. way the teams have been playing and how they match up, I just Carolina is looking good to me for this for this game. I think I think you both reading too much into it, Brian, and I agree on Oakland. All right. Next up, uh, the New England Patriots uh, take on the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford. <laughs> I mean. Uh, Tony's laughing. I- I'm going to go ahead and say the Patriots are going to win this game. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty safe to say. New England. Brian also takes New England. Purely for entertainment value, I'm hoping for a butt fumble 2.0. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Fantastic. The anniversary of that just passed, I think, like last week. Well, then yep. let's like, have another know. one. Why not? That would be that would be great. I don't know if uh, they have a quarterback that's quite as inept as Mark Sanchez. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it would be hilarious to see. I think they do. See. His name's Ryan Fitzpatrick. And this, this is funny. I was home two weeks ago with my dad, and my dad was telling me what he wants to do for Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, uh, the Patriots host the Jets. And he's been trying to get me to go to a Patriots game every time I go home. He has season tickets. He goes to all the games. And he told me, like, Tony, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, me, you, the younger cousins, we all go to the game. We'll leave by the third quarter and then go catch Christmas Eve at the house. But, you know, yeah, you'd be able to go to the New England game. Like, who are they playing? They're hosting the Jets. So I get to spend my Christmas Eve in the freezing cold outside with mittens, with hats snowing on me, and watch this likely 2-15 and 15 Jets team, 2-14 and 14 Jets team take on the Patriots. Uh... I I don't want to sound like a spoiled rotten brat and say I'm not excited to go to an NFL football game, but guys, this is going to be a tough one to sit through. You Jets think? at Patriots? Yes, pa- I, I would. I would. I would love to go to that. It's going to be. I'm going to. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be with my dad. I'm going to have fun. But it's the Jets, dude. The Jets stink. They stink. That's enough. They're, you know who else stinks? Terrible. The Bears stink. You know the what's also fun? Stink. Watching the Bears lose. <laughs> True. <laughs> Very true. Very, Very true. true. All right. Well, we got one more Sunday game left to look at. That's the Kansas City Chiefs in Denver to take on the Broncos. Ooh. That should be the game of the week, I think. <laughs> and uh, hey, it just so happens to be in the five thirty slot. America's game of the week. America's game of the week. They got this one right. Oh man! Finally, Kansas City at Denver. This is a great, great game. Uh, Cheddar, I'm throwing it over to you first, buddy. Put you in the hot seat. I gotta be honest. I need to think about this one first. I know it's tough, isn't it? Brian took Denver. If that changes anyone's minds, Brian took Denver. And Brian has been right more often than not. Um, Denver's very good at home. Trevor Simeon can game manage a very good game. They're struggling to run the ball. Kansas City, great defense. And Alex Smith's measurables have been pretty much the same as Case Keenum, if you can believe it. He has the same amount of passing attempts as Case Keenum. They both have nine touchdowns on the year, and they're both at 6.9 yards per attempt. 
Alex Smith is seven and three. Case Keenum is on the bench. So uh, Kansas City's offense, they can run the ball. Denver won't be able to run the ball. Trevor Simeon's the same as Alex Smith. Their defenses are both stellar. It's in Mile High Stadium, which is a very tough place to play as a visiting team. That's I think the Broncos' I'm... defense is a little better than the Chiefs' defense. Do you? Uh, I do. I agree. Um, I, I, I just on a on a, a base level like that, and 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 looking looking at them statistically, Denver is ranked fourth in the NFL in terms of. I know you don't like yards per game, Tony, but they yeah. are ranked fourth in the NFL in terms of uh, yards per game allowed. Kansas City is ranked twenty fifth in the NFL in terms of yards per game allowed. So. Uh, you know that that gives you to uh, Denver allowing 318, Kansas City allowing 373. So Denver is a little bit better defensively. I'm going to give them the edge because they're at home, and because yeah, I think tough. I think their defense is just better. And it is hard to come into Denver and play, and that's going to be a hostile crowd because it's an interdivisional uh, matchup and rivalry. I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Denver for sure. The thing that's making me lean towards Kansas City is the turnovers. Uh, Kansas City wins if they don't turn over the ball and they make the other team turn it over. They're just that carbon copy team of don't make mistakes let the other team make mistakes i think they have a better special teams unit this is really hard i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with the away team i'm gonna go with the big red and the kansas city chiefs give the kool-aid man another win a little parody all right yep yep cheddar games like this are why i don't bet on sports yes because these teams are basically mirror images of each other in a lot of ways and I just I don't see any either of the team having a real solid edge besides maybe Denver having that home field advantage. Yeah. But something to consider is that over the past couple of years, these two teams have largely traded off road wins yeah. and, and and home losses in the series. My gut's telling me Kansas City, so I'm gonna go with that. All right, Kansas City it is. All right. Well Monday uh, night. so we got to split two and two, then we move to Monday night. Very interested to hear what the two of you think about this. We have Green Bay. Going to the link in Philadelphia to take on Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Without Ryan Matthews, I might note, it looks like he is uh, going to be out on Monday Night Football. I don't know how much that matters. Won't really. matter. You're uh, shaking your head, a, Tony. A guy named Fat Rob ran for over 100 yards against my defense. It doesn't matter who's running the ball. It doesn't matter. Philly's going to win this game. Uh, Green Bay's going to look like poop. Philly's undefeated at home. It's going to continue. Um, and it's going to be really, honestly, I, I'm going to watch Monday Night Football because I love football. But I'm going to be so sad the whole time. I really am. Uh, Green Bay loses. Cheddar? Oh, Brian. Brian also takes Philly uh, as well. Uh, well, you can add me into that. I'll, uh, it looks like Cheddar's still thinking a little bit about this, but i I got to go with Philadelphia. They haven't lost at home. This Packers team has not looked like it's a cohesive unit the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks. They look, like, they look like they have some issues to address beyond the football field, whatever is going on in Green Bay. It would be I don't stunning. Know. It would be stunning to see them at 4-7. Four 4-7 and seven. Four and seven is not a record the Green Bay uh, Packers are used to having, and yet that's what we're going to be. And I, I it, Cheddar, it, it's, I know what you're feeling right now. It's the hometown love. You want to be able to find a way to root for your Packers and pick them. But I did it against Indy. I did it against Tennessee. I even was close to doing it against Washington. It's just not happening this year. They are not the Green Bay Packers of old. Something we've seen through the years is that whenever Aaron Rodgers gets backed up against the wall, he always has those games where he comes out and throws six touchdowns, and it's like, wait, where's this team been for the last five weeks? Mm-hmm. I get a hunch that that game might be coming, mm-hmm. and I think that this team is desperate, but I also think Philadelphia's defense is too good mm. to really allow that, and given Green Bay's defensive struggles of the umpteenth magnitude, mm-hmm. 
and with Philly being at home, I think I got to go to Philly. Philly. That's sad. That's sad. You guys don't understand how much of a Green Bay fan that Cheddar is, and for him to pick against the Packers on Monday Night Football. Oh, man. I'm literally about to vomit right oh, now. Oh, man. And that'll wrap up week 12 for us here uh, on the left coasters. Uh, thanks for being here, Eric Zambrovich. Yeah, you got it right. You got it right. I nailed it. Thank you for A very being good here. job as the guest yeah, host, man. Absolutely. Great job. We'll see if that fleshes itself out in the picks as well. Hopefully, hopefully you, it's, uh, a, it's hope, a hard hopefully number. you can claim the mandal. It is it's a, a hard it, number. It's Drew a tough one to get. I think 11 and 2 is very achievable. That's, yeah, well, good luck. Good luck. Uh, don't forget, um, uh, if you want to get in on our Gravestones game, if you want to ask us a, a question, uh, we need some new Mary Fuck Kills. We haven't we do. done a, we we haven't do. done a Mary Fuck Kill in a few weeks, and uh, we'd love to get that back involved. So if you have questions, comments, uh, if you want to ask us something that we'll uh, answer on the show next week, you can email us, uh, podcast at gmail.com. That's the leftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also go on our Instagram, uh, follow us there, uh, at the leftcoasters podcast we're on facebook as well you can search for the left coasters podcast brian will join us again next week he's Can't back wait. from brian, michigan Looking, brian you're gonna love this studio you're gonna you're gonna really you're gonna enjoy this we've upgraded our uh, digs a little bit from uh from what we were doing and and uh, we have a little bit a little bit better uh little we're in a better, legit studio now, little, guys. We're, we're in a studio moving up in the world which is nice moving so up. uh we'll be returning this to microphone's do- hanging from an arm <laughs> it's awesome. It's, uh, it is nice. It's one of the benefits of actually working. Everyone's behind glass. It's yeah. one of the benefits of working in the radio business is that if you did decide to do a podcast, uh, there are facilities it's at your disposal, which we, is very we nice. Have, we could have 17 guests on right now. Yeah, we yeah we could. We, we could, theoretically. But uh, we'll stick with this three. I like okay. the three dynamic. Okay. Uh, for Tony Cavallo and Eric Zambrovich and Brian Balzarini, uh, who is not with us this week, but will be returning next week, I'm Matt D'Angelo-Antonio. We are the Left Coasters, and we are grateful for you as a listener, and we hope that you'll join us again for week 13. So until then, ram it. Woo. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.